Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to College Football Pod Talk. This is your co-host, Easton. And Josh. Remember, you can reach us at collegefootballpodtalk at gmail.com for your comments. So let's start out with our reviews. How uh, How's your heart doing this morning? You must have got a good workout yesterday. Boy, yeah, I low-key thought I had a heart attack last night, man. Our, being a coog is probably one of the most stressful things on the planet. I'm, I'm just going to say, that that Cal defense, they, they're incredible. They're going to be a team to fight with in the future. Yeah, it's, it was it was a good game, man. My ca- my Cougs found a way to get it done with the final score 19-13 versus a stingy defense. And now we're 8-1 and with the command of the Pac-12, man. So it feels good. We have our home winning streak going for 12 games now, fourth in the nation. Cal, who has the best pass defense in the Pac-12, showed up and held the Cougs to a season-low 334 passing yards. The Cougs looked as if they were going to get upset with the tremendous amount of penalties we had and uh, resulted in first downs with the Golden Bears. And that's where I really think our Cougs really struggled and stressed me out the most was simple penalties that we could have avoided and gave them a chance to potentially beat us. You know, this I think the Cal defense is just stingy enough to get under everybody's skin. And it's only going to get better for Cal in the future. You know, Cal's going to turn this program around. And they're going to be fighting. Yeah, it was a close game. The game was tied up going into the fourth quarter, 13-13. Uh, actually, late in the fourth quarter, just under eight minutes left, Cal was driving the ball for the go-ahead touchdown when their quarterback, Brandon McIlwain, threw an interception uh, in the end zone to Skylar Thomas, which really changed the momentum and the dynamic in that final quarter. Then the Cougs drove it down the field, 11 plays for 67 yards, but couldn't finish by missing a 30-yard field goal, man. These field goals are are huge in college football and the NFL, man. It's it's a huge thing that really changes the dynamic of the game. Got to find kickers. Got to yeah. find kickers. Yeah, man. It was it was tough, man. But uh, Cal couldn't take advantage of it after our missed field goal and kept the game at 13. They had a three and out. And then they punted the ball with two minutes remaining. And then our Heisman candidate, Gardner Minshew, puts on a, a hell of a drive for six plays, 69 yards, and ultimately connects with Aesop Winston Jr. with 32 seconds left in the game. And uh, the Cougs ended up winning the game, man. It was awesome to see. So the mustache got the win for you, huh? Yeah, Gardner Minshew, man. He balled out. He actually finished with 35 for 51, 340, or excuse me, 334 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Our leading wide receiver was Aesop Winston Jr. with seven receptions, 92 yards. And our main target, who had the most receptions, not as many yards, but uh, our running back, James Williams. He's been a big target for us on this uh, passing offense, which is pretty interesting, you know. Um, besides that, Max Borgie had our only scoring touchdown or only touchdown. Uh, Cal actually went with their dual quarterback system, which I thought was interesting because you'd expect one quarterback to be a pocket passer, the other one to be, you know, a runner, but they both seem to be passers and runners, which I kind of think killed their momentum of the game and, you know, ultimately changed the game because their backup technically quarterback was the one who threw the interception in the end zone. So, uh, kind of hurt him. If Cal gets things going on the offensive side of the ball, that defense keeps them in games. They're going to be scary. Yeah, and that was the thing. This was the toughest defensive challenges, uh, defensive challenge the Coug has seen all season. But we improved eight and one and continue the hunt for the Pac-12 title, baby. That's all. That's all that matters is you get the win. Yeah, the W is what counts. How'd your uh, rival do? I know this was a good game too uh, between Stanford and, and UW. Yeah, Stanford Cardinals actually came into town into Seattle and played the Huskies. Huskies ended up getting a close win versus the Cardinals, 27-23. to The Huskies got their feature back. 
uh, Gaskin after sitting out two games with a shoulder injury. And they used him quite a bit to get the offensive going and I think took a lot of pressure off of Browning. Gaskin actually had a season high of 148 yards and one touchdown as UW took a big lead at the end of the first half, 21-0. to So their first few, first three drives actually scored. Um, came out pretty strong. You know, Miles Gaskins really does, he, he makes that UW offense turn. Yeah, he made, he made all the difference. The past two weeks, without him, they struggled. They got a win and they lost versus Cal. So it was a struggle for both of them, definitely. But uh, Cardinals... On the, on the other side of the ball, Caden Smith, the wide receiver, and Bryce Love both found the end zone in the end of the third quarter, bringing the game within four points, and they actually missed the extra point. You know, once again, these kickers have been struggling. Uh, the game actually ended up coming down to the last drive by Stanford, which, which, which was led by K.J. Costello, but was ultimately intercepted by UW safety Taylor Rapp to put the nail in the coffin and eliminating the chances of the Cardinals even making that Pac-12 title. So it should be interesting moving forward for the Cardinals and the Huskies. It's good, good on Stanford's part to fight back into this game after being down 21 to nothing, though. Stanford fought back, got into the game, made it a ball game when it wasn't a ball game in the first half. You know, Stanford's got some things to work on, but Stanford still is a pretty good team in the Pac-12. Yeah, you can tell in the game, Bryce Leff, he actually played. He didn't He didn't look healthy. He held, uh, ran the ball 18 times for 71 yards and got a touchdown, but, you know, he was limping around. You could tell he was trying to push through it, but he wasn't 100%, which puts more pressure on Costello, and uh, they're pretty thin at wide receiver. What do you think Bryce Love's draft stock is? It seems like he was injured a lot last year. He's been injured a lot this year. Is is he gonna is he gonna get drafted? What's your opinion on Bryce? That that is tough because he is he is a smaller back. He's small and shifty. You know, he's more of like a Kadeem Hunt. He kind of reminds me of Kadeem Hunt, where you know he's a very shifty out the back, but also he does get injured a lot. So he is a risk factor. You know? I just I just remember last year Bryce Love being injured a lot, and I mean, and he's still a Heisman hopeful. Last year made it made it to New York, and then this year he just doesn't seem to be on the field. Uh, much at all. Um, I'm, I root for him. I like him, but it's just I want him to be on the field more. Yeah, Stanford. Yeah, they struggled late. Also, when their star wide receiver Sega Whiteside ended up hurting his ankle on after a catch, so that really made their defense pretty thin. Or excuse me, offense pretty thin. So it was a tough game for them. But Stanford came back pretty strong at the end, and UW only scored field goals in the second half, so, so uh, they just need to learn how to finish if they want to continue you know, so being the, the top of the pack. Pack 12, uh, pack 12 North is coming down to two teams, it looks like. Washington State and Washington. Apple Cup this year is going to be intense. Yeah, let's hope, man. I think, uh, just being completely honest, it's been frustrating the past few years being a Coug where we've had good years and then just don't show up for the Apple Cup, so... I think Peterson has Leach's number, but I hope this is a turnaround year with Gardner Minshew. He's a different quarterback, and he's he's been a tremendous help for this team, as you can tell. And he's been whole, you know, leading the nation in passing, so he's been doing really well. But the final game in the Pac-12 I have on here was Arizona versus number 15 Utah. Utah, expected to win the South, was actually upset in the desert versus Arizona 30-20. to The biggest hit to Utah was losing their star quarterback Huntley in the third quarter to a broken collarbone. This really was a turning point for Utah, which was looking on the up and up. You know, Arizona State is now going to be in the running for the Pac-12 South again after getting this victory. And then Arizona State, if you haven't watched this team, they got one of the best wide receivers in the game in Nikhil Harris. This kid is a stud. He'll be playing on Sunday soon. 
he's just a legit playmaker every time he touches the ball. Yeah, Arizona State's quarterback, Manny Wilkins, he had a day with Nikhil Harry, who had three touchdowns and finished with 19 for 24 for 284 yards and three touchdowns. Manny Wilkins, that is. But yeah, the rushing game was phenomenal with, with Eno Benjamin going for 175 yards and two touchdowns. And Utah, like you said, they, they were taking over the South. And they, they were on a winning streak, which I thought was going to continue, but really was uh, upset by Arizona State and those Sun Devils. It's, you know... Herm Edwards, <laughs> there, I mean, we've been talking about Herm all year. I didn't think Herm was going to be a success down there, but he's he's changed my mind very quickly year one. Yeah, they had 536 total yards versus the number one defense in the Pac-12. Can just, you believe that? Just incredible. Herm, do what you do, ball out. Running the show. Let's go on to the Big 12. So the first game is Oklahoma versus Texas Tech. Cool. What do you think of this game? Shootout. Oh, it's a shootout like no other. Yeah. If 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 you like 7 on it might as well have been a 7 on 7 game. There's no defense. That's, I mean, this is the Big 12 in general. They had some, they had a bunch of shootouts this weekend. Another one we'll talk about here in a second. What you got some stats on this game? Yeah, Texas Tech actually came out strong and uh, had 14 unanswered. Actually picked off Kyler Murray on his first two possessions. Kyler, come on, man. Yeah, it was it was interesting, but Oklahoma, Oklahoma ended up pulling it out 51-46 in the shootout. Tech, like I said, Tech came out strong leading most of the half, but you know who it is. Kyler Murray stood up his game and recovered, throwing for 360 yards and three touchdowns. He also rushed for over 100 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Oklahoma's ground game, man. If Kyler Murray wasn't able to do it, the ground game was there also. It's exceptional with Trey Sermon having a career high of 206 yards and three touchdowns. Tech looked pretty good, actually, for the most part. They led in the half 31-28, to but the troubling news came when Tech and their starting quarterback, Alan Bowman, didn't return the second half with a collapsed lung. Man, oh, that's, that's some scary stuff. That's scary. You know, you know what stood out in my mind in this game is when when Tech scored a touchdown, went for a two-point conversion to oh. tie the game up, did a trick play, two-point conversion intercepted, and then Oklahoma re- returned it for the two points. And you don't see that very often. That's yeah. pretty incredible. That was a momentum swinger, and it ended up giving the uh, Oklahoma a 44-40 lead. And then OU had, about, uh, OU had 687 total yards against the Rebels, who haven't been known for much you know, for defense. So... Yeah, Kyler Murray, potential Heisman winner, finished 20 for 35, 360 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions. And Bowman, before he was injured, he went 21 for 26, 227 yards, and two touchdowns. So who would have known if Bowman stayed healthy and didn't have the injury if, you know, they, Texas Tech could have pulled out this win? How does – I feel like Texas and Oklahoma both just – Pick and pop quarterbacks. It's like you, they pick anybody, they put them in their system, and those quarterbacks score points and get yards. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah, they they get these quarterbacks who love to sling the ball. They're not shy about it either. They'll they'll throw it into a tight pot, a tight spot. And Kyler Murray is one of the most confident quarterbacks out there. He he, you could tell this. He got some swag to him, and the way he's throwing that ball, he should have that swag. Well, and what's great about Alex Bowman is we're going to see him in the future. Uh, he's he's very young. It's going to be exciting to watch him play in the future. Yeah, he's had this collapsed lung injury uh, earlier in this season, and let's just hope he can stay healthy. That was a big win for Oklahoma to stay in to, to stay in the hunt for the uh, college football playoff. What other games we got in the Big 12? 
Well, another good game and was a uh, surprise was West Virginia versus Texas. Your boy, Will Greer, in the West Virginia offense. Oh, my goodness. This is a way to finish a game if defense is not uh, up for the task, man. Oh, yeah. this The ending of this game is incredible. Will Greer, 33-yard touchdown pass. And then... What do you do when the when the game could be tied? Did you go to did you go to overtime or did you go for the win? Well, Virginia went for the win, scored. Will Greer ran it in for the two point conversion. That's incredible. It was ballsy, but it's one of those times you just got to do it. And that's the thing: if they didn't go for it, would it have been a dumb decision? <laughs> How do you answer that? Like if you if you don't score it, it's dumb. If you score it. It doesn't matter. You you win. Exactly. You're, it's amazing. And that's that's the tough situation where it becomes, if we get that two-point conversion, I am one of the best coaches there is. If I don't get it, I made a dumb decision and may potentially lose my job. So It's, it's just incredible. What, it made, what made it better is West Virginia had to score it twice. So, oh, yeah. So right. they scored it, but a timeout, Texas called a timeout, so they had to redo it, and then Will Greer just ran it in. It didn't even get touched. Yeah, Wilger had a good game. He finished with 356 passing yards, three touchdowns, two of them that were actually to his favorite receiver, David Sills. It was it was a good game to watch. So does does Will Greer? Do we put him back in the Heisman hunt? <sighs> or is is it is it too far? Is he too far down the hill? He struggled. You gotta. The game, the easy games, you should be able to step it up and dominate. But he seemed to struggle. Uh, quite a few times early on, so you got to keep that consistency. Tua and Kyler Murray hasn't had a, a technical bad game. No, you know, no. So. so let's let's jump to the Big Ten, where we got Penn State and Michigan. Uh, this was not a game. Boy, did Michigan get their uh, vengeance? <laughs> yes. So Michigan is on a revenge tour this year, uh, where they're trying to beat Michigan State. Penn State and Ohio State. Well, they've knocked off Michigan State. They crushed Penn State 42-7. to I mean, it was not even a ball game. Shea Patterson, three total TDs, two passing, one, rush, one rushing. Michigan's run game was strong. Karen Hilldun, 132 yards with one rushing touchdown. This Michigan defense, you don't want to play them. They're stellar. It was it was bad. Like watching Chase McSorley struggle like that. I that was by far the worst game I've ever seen him play. This they they held Penn State to 186 total yards, three turnovers, and they had a pick six. One thing that I did notice is that they ran quite a bit of QB spy. Which for those who don't know what a QB spy is. They have one man on defense specifically to follow the quarterback no matter what he does. If he runs it, passes it, he follows that man no matter what. And they had a fast QB spy on him, and he wasn't able to escape when he was had pressure. So when he was able to scramble versus all these other teams and use his legs, Michigan had his number and had him on lock. And this was another game where Trace was kind of in and out with injuries. He wasn't 100%, so that plays in the factor, but Michigan still just looked amazing. They look like they're they're ready for big time. Yeah, this is the strongest Michigan team I've seen and I'm a big fan of Harbaugh. I know a lot of people just doesn't don't like his style, but he is a winning coach. Everywhere he's been, he's won. San Diego State, the 49ers, Michigan, Stanford, Michigan. It's he 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 shows up on these at the big stage. You know, last year he struggled a little bit. That Michigan State game was really tough for him, but 
things like that, you know, they overcome and he knows how to run a team. He does it really well and they win. I'm not going to lie. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hater. (laughs) I I don't necessarily love him. I don't like his antics, but the guy knows how to coach. Yeah. He can recruit. He can coach. I mean, he's just, he's a great college football coach. He's an ex quarterback. So he has that swagger to him and people don't like that. So it, 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 it ruffles some feathers. So let's let's go on to uh, Notre Dame and Northwestern. Notre Dame got the victory, thirty-one to twenty-one. Ian Book had two passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown to remain undefeated on the season. But this was a close game. Notre Dame, they're finding ways to win, but it's not it's not these blowout victories, which you know I'd assume as an undefeated team when you go face a less lesser team like this, you should kind of blow them out. I think the second closest fan base that stresses as much as Coug fans is Notre Dame fans. They Notre Dame is probably one of the least consistent teams I've seen with with such a high ranking because they show up versus decent teams and then they don't show up versus bad teams. They play to each team's level, which is not good, especially if they want to make it into the playoffs. Which, which you know, I'm just waiting if they if say they do make it to the playoffs. Is this going to be like the the championship where they faced Alabama a few years back and just got crushed? Like, is is that going to be the Notre Dame team that shows up to the college football final if they get in there? Well, that's the problem with them is you don't know what you're going to get. That's the tough thing for a lot of these teams is that you don't know which team you're going to get. Where you find in Alabama, you know exactly what you're going to get. So. Moving forward with this playoff, it's it's going to be it's going to be challenging for these teams if they're going to be very consistent because you aren't going to have the chance to come back and forth in these games. You got to stay consistent all the way through. Just incredible. So we also had an upset in the Big Ten where Iowa was upset by Purdue, thirty-eight to thirty-six. Purdue got another upset. They're just knocking people off left and right. Beat Ohio State earlier this year. They won this game on a 25-yard field goal. Uh, Purdue is 3-1 and one against ranked teams this year, which is pretty incredible. This is, this is amazing to see because Purdue was not – if you watched them early in the season, you wouldn't expect a quarter of what they're doing right now. And how, whatever they're doing right now, it's, it's working. You know, Jeff Brom has this team moving. I really like Jeff Brom. Uh, we'll see how he does in the future at Purdue, but he's got this team working right now, and these upsets are only going to make your program better. You know, they have a wide receiver, Rondell Moore, true true freshman. He's a wide receiver, just incredible. Really? He's incredible. Incredible to watch. Yeah, it's, it's cool to see these younger guys step up when it's time to play. When other guys fall because of injury, these younger guys get a chance for an opportunity to play in the games, and that's when they need to show up. I'm just saying, if you're ranked and you're playing Purdue, watch out. Yeah, They're they, coming after you. They step it up versus big games, and this, they, that's the ty- type of team I'd want. They are coming after you. Oh, Moving on to the ACC, we had Duke versus Miami. A swamp in the swamp. This game was muddy, rainy. If, if you love old school football and the rain and mud and grungy and dirty, this was the game, man. It was, it was interesting. Duke actually pulled out the win in the swamp in the first time since 1976. That's incredible. Yeah. David Cutcliffe getting the victory. Go, David. Yeah. yeah. They ended up pulling out the win 20-12. to 12. This game was played in a swamp at the swamp. It, it was rain everywhere, like we said. 
Rozier and Perry actually split time. Perry started out the game, didn't do so well in the storm. So they replaced him with Rozier. He started out decent, but he had no momentum going into the game. So they went back to Perry to finish the game, and he ended up finishing strong. But that fourth quarter coming down to that last drive, uh, 20 to 12 with a minute left to go, Nick Perry, he kept running the ball. That was one thing that bothered me about him before the game ended is that he kept scrambling and trying to run where he should have been safe or played safe in the pocket. And so I, it's, it's tough for Mark Rick to really figure out which quarterback he wants right now. Yeah, and I feel like in this scenario, Mark Rick probably needs to make a decision and stick with it. Uh, I know that's tough. It's tough to make that call, but at this point, you know, put Perry in and go go forth with your future if Rozier is not your guy. Yeah. That last drive when Nick Perry drove it down for the, you know, the last play of the game, he actually they threw a touchdown with 15 seconds left in the game, but it got called back for offensive PI. Oh, so they lose terrible. 15 yards and then they just weren't able to get it in the end zone. So it was it was a tough game for Miami. So that's they're terrible. on a downhill slide and losing, you know, I guess Duke isn't a bad team this year, but you're Miami. You, yep. You have a name. You have a reputation. Are they? Are, are Do you see them turning around this year, or do you think they're going to fall short? Well, I would imagine Miami will at least make a bowl game, which which that should be your goal. Uh, but this was a, definitely a fall-off year for Miami when they had very high projections. Um, yeah. They were projected to fight for the ACC, and it doesn't look like they're going to be fighting. Yeah, uh, Duke did is now bowl eligible again, yeah. though, which yeah. is great. Six and three, great for a Duke team. So um, we also had an upset in the ACC where Pitt beat number twenty-five Virginia, uh, twenty-three to thirteen. The power run game of Pitt was just too much to handle. Pitt rushing offense racked up two hundred fifty-four yards, and uh, two hundred twenty-nine of those yards were all done by Darren Hall. In the, in the first half of the game, when the conditions were bad and both teams had trouble moving the ball, the, the halftime score was Virginia 10 to Pitt 7, and Pitt got it going in the second half, scoring 16 points. That'll make, that'll make the difference. And when it's wet and rainy, that's when you have to run, rely on the run game because these wide receivers aren't going to catch the ball, especially with them wearing gloves nowadays. Those gloves are phenomenal when it's dry, but when it's wet, you might as well be using soap on your hands because they're useless well this was another one of those games where there's just water puddles sitting on the field just like that duke and miami game yeah uh, conditions were very bad in the first half it looked like it cleaned up a little bit in the second half but these teams in the first half could not move the ball yeah it was a good 23 13 win for them so yeah i i know virginia just got back in that or got in the ranking but now they're right out of it but pit <laughs> Pitt's run game is nice. Oh. This whole year, they've been pretty decent. So They're, they're you know. definitely racking up the yardage. And Pitt's going to be exciting to watch them run the ball. So what's up with the SEC? Let's start out with the Rebels. How'd they do versus South Carolina? Uh, the Rebels, we, did, we couldn't put enough points on the board. South Carolina's beat, a, beat us 48-44. to 44. Both quarterbacks, Bentley and Tiamu, threw for close to 750 yards combined. This was this was a non-defensive game. <laughs> uh, there's lots of highlights for both offenses. The biggest news for Ole Miss this week happened off the field, where we can now have unofficial recruiting visits, which is huge to help my team That's recruit huge. again. You know, for those of you who don't know, Ole Miss was caught in some some had some violations and 
got some sanctions on us. But our, my offense, I will say, looks like we'll be good the next couple years. We have a true freshman wide receiver to watch out for, Elijah Moore. Uh, kid is a stud and looks looks good. But Ole Miss needs to work on defense, like I always say. And then maybe once we get the defensive side of the ball going, maybe we'll play a little better. With, with passing teams, let me ask you this. Do you think – a lot of teams or more games are high scoring simply because of the new f- rules in football against the defensive players with the targeting, with the hesitation. Do you think that goes along with these high scoring games or is it a, you think it's just simply tackling and missed assignments or? You know, I think all the playmaker, all the playmakers are going offensive now. Uh, There's this so much speed, so much size on the offensive side of the ball that the defensive guys just can't even hang with it. Yeah. I mean, if you know, if you have talent, uh, the more talent you have, you're going to play offensive side of the ball because the offensive side, if if you're good enough, gets paid more to go when you're when you're going pro. Yeah. And DB and corner, those are the tough positions. You know, you're on an island, so it's going to be tough to really win the battle especially with these pass interference holding calls it's all against the defense so it's it's going to be interesting moving forward if these games are going to continue being high scoring or you know they're just gonna drift off but you know scoring touchdowns makes money so so there are there are some teams that can play defense i mean Ole Miss isn't one of them but you know Georgia played Kentucky this week in the SEC as well. Georgia has a defense. Yeah, Georgia won the game 34-17. to They kind of handled Kentucky. Georgia just, you know, the run game for Georgia just controlled the ball. DeAndre Swift had a career high of 156 yards rushing with two TDs on 16 carries. Elijah Holyfield had 115 yards and one TD. And the Georgia defense was just on point, held Kentucky's snell to 73 rushing yards. I don't think you're going to lose a game if you have two running backs rushing over 100 yards. Oh, no. I mean, you're controlling the ball, and you're you're just moving the ball down the field. Yeah. And a run game, like we said before, that's going to wear out the defense. So all they need to do is rotate those running backs, pat, run it down their throat, Kentucky's throat. It just wears out that defense. And when the offense can't get on the field, they ain't going to score points. So the defense is going to be out there a long time, and they sure were out there a long time versus Georgia. Yep, and now Georgia controls the SEC East. You more than likely will see Georgia in the SEC championship unless something crazy happens. Yeah. So we also had Texas A&M versus Auburn. Auburn uh, kind of surprised me in this, this game, beating Texas A&M. A little bit of an upset as Texas A&M was ranked. Auburn scored 14 straight points in the fourth to get the 28-24 victory. Jared Stedham with two TDs and the biggest one with 141 left on the clock to put to put Auburn up. This is Texas A&M's second loss in a row, and Auburn now has two victories in a row. Is Auburn back? Stidham, this is probably one of the best, better games I've seen from Stidham. He usually doesn't have good games versus big teams, especially lately this year. So this was a good turnaround for him, and he really balled out this game. But Auburn Auburn got a good win. They needed this bad. They really did, especially with uh, those three losses early on. That really uh, dictated their season. Well, for Texas A&M, they started the season very good with two of their losses being to Alabama and to Clemson, and now they've lost to Mississippi State and Auburn in back-to-back weeks. Uh, Texas A&M needs to figure it out and figure it out quick. 
Yeah, they, they're on the downslide, but if there's one coach that can figure it out, I think it'd be Jimbo Fisher. So. I agree. Well, they're they're paying him to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> he better figure it out. <laughs> the last, well, one of the last games we have in the SEC was an upset, Missouri versus number 11, Florida. Missouri with a 38-17 victory over Florida. Just like last year, Drew Locke was able to have his way with the Florida Gators. And uh, Felipe Franks actually got benched in the third quarter. He did not look good going 9 for 22 for 84 yards before he actually got pulled. And then the sophomore, Kyle Trask, came in and took over. But Florida did not look good at all. No, Drew Locke finished the game with 250 yards and three TDs. Drew Locke was just passing the ball, balling out. You know, finally shown is is the reason why Drew Locke is thought of as as a top draft pick in the quarterback position. You know, it's just weird that Florida can play play big games and then just have games like this, where Florida's defense showed up and crushed teams, and then they get crushed by Missouri. Yeah, just like a Notre Dame, just like a Washington State. <laughs> you know, it's the teams you don't know what you're going to get week in, week out. you got to maintain this consistency. If you want to have a good program, you have to stay consistent. Even if it's a close game, you got to learn how to finish. You can't just have, you know, a phenomenal, like you said, a phenomenal game versus good teams and then not show up versus a decent Missouri team, you know. Lesser teams? Yeah. You want to know who is consistent? Who's that? Bama. Uh, they just keep rolling. Yeah, I, you know, roll tide. We, I don't even know if we really need to talk about Bama all that much because Bama just crushes everybody so far this year. Bama was playing LSU. This was probably the top tier matchup of the weekend. A one versus three. And Bama just rolled twenty nine to zero. Uh, Tua with two hundred ninety five yards, two touchdowns. He did have a mistake. He threw a, he threw an interception. <gasps> his first his first of the season. Uh-oh, there uh oh, there goes his Heisman. Yeah, there there it goes out the window. Running back Damian Harris had one hundred seven yards and a t- touchdown, but I was. I was most impressed with this Bama defense. Man. Held LSU to 12 rushing yards. Unheard of. That is, LSU runs the ball, but not against Bama. I thought Brosette was going to have a day. I, I didn't expect him to have 200 plus yards, but they Bama had them in check. It was bad. And, you know, LSU was only able to throw get 184 passing yards against this Bama <sighs> defense. I mean, Bama just had it had it locked down at the start of the game yeah and that's the worst part i understand most of the time when they play against each other it's a defensive battle i get that but for lsu not to score that's just embarrassing and it was at bama or excuse me at lsu so having the crowd behind you i thought that would give you a little bit more momentum to come out strong and they didn't show up granted they didn't have their starting linebacker the first half but the linebacker ain't scoring touchdowns. Here's a fun fact. As we stated, this game was in LSU. LSU has not scored a touchdown in LSU against Bama since 2014. Wow. That's, I mean, that's pretty that's incredible. That's stat, yeah. So, you know, Bama just looked like Bama dominated. We'll move into the non-Big Five uh, game of the game we had, which was Temple versus UCF. UCF got the victory 52-40. to but this UCF team doesn't look the same as they did last year. The defense is not there for UCF. Quarterback for Temple, Anthony Russo, had 444 yards, four TDs, and two interceptions. He went off. <laughs> he, I mean, he he tore it up. I mean, UCF got the victory, 
which is what you want in these games, but UCF defense is just not there. I don't, you know, I don't. They need to play better defense if they want to, you know, get into the college football final four. In my opinion. Yeah, and their schedule is only getting harder, so it's a matter of finishing. And you know, a Temple team—they're not a bad team. Don't get me wrong, but it's a team. UCF needs to be dominating if they want to be these top four teams, especially if nobody's giving them the benefit of the doubt. So they need to continue. They need to blow teams out and play some defense because if it gets tight and there's two teams that need to be in there, they're going to break it down to stats and wins and losses too many close games. They're going to potentially lose their chance of getting into the playoffs. Uh, Yep. I'm, I'm there with you. Who you got for your players of the week this week? Well, I got one quarterback, a small school shout out to the small schools. Quarterback from UMass, Ross Thomas, went 29 for 44 for 540 yards passing and a win versus Liberty. That's incredible. Stats. That's incredible. I got uh, Pitt running back, Darren Hall, 229 yards on 19 carries and three TDs. Took his team to an upset victory over Virginia. Pretty incredible. Very nice. What's these games looking like for next week, my man? Start out with the Pac-12 where... Where Washington State's playing Colorado, that's a big game for you. Oh yeah, it's down over at Colorado. Colorado's on a four-game losing streak after starting their season five and zero. Our Cougs are still trying to dominate and do our thing, but this is not a team to overlook. You know, I think this is a team that's gonna try to play well versus a ranked team. So, and they're at home. So, let's see what type of team we get from Colorado. I just hope my Cougs come out strong and stronger than we did this past week, especially only putting up 19 points in the game. Yeah, y'all, y'all definitely need to show up and show out because I'm rooting for you. So I want, I guys, I want your boys to continue to win. Yeah, the second game we have in the Pac-12 is an Oregon versus Utah. These teams are both six and three. We need Utah to get some Ws. They need to change their game around, especially after a loss this week. And Oregon's been on the up and up after two losses lately. So we're trying to figure out what type of teams we're going to get for, for both of these guys. So going to be a tough game now with Utah losing their starting quarterback. Yeah, but, yeah, it's going to be a different type of team. So but that's... we'll see what they can do. Coach needs to coach. Yeah, the Pac-12, it's, it's not looking so good overall for my, you know, the legitimacy of these wins for my Cougs. So <laughs> these these better teams need to start stepping it up soon. So in the Big 12, we're going to point out Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State. Uh, as we know, Oklahoma State beat Texas a few weeks ago. This should be a good game. Oklahoma's 8-1 and one, trying to reach the playoff. They need to continue to win. And then we got Texas versus Texas Tech. Texas Ooh. Tech just played a great game against Oklahoma. Yeah. And Texas Tech has, you know, been pretty point on this year. Let's see what this they can could, do against this Texas. Could be, this could be an upset. I could I could see a Texas Tech, well, if they show up with some sort of defense. They can they can put up some points and they I, I think they could put more points up than Ellinger and the Texas. So that'll definitely be a good game. Moving on to the Big Ten, we got Northwestern versus Iowa. Northwestern, they definitely can beat an Iowa team. This could be a really good game to look out for. Yeah, and and this is kind of going back to the trying to trying to get into the Big Ten championship. Uh, Northwestern needs to continue to win if they want to get in. I know they lost to Notre Dame last week, but that's not a Big Ten uh, not a Big Ten conference game. So Northwestern, if they win, you know they get into the championship. That's what you're fighting for. Yeah, it should be a good one. We got Ohio State versus Michigan State. This can go either way. 
like we said, we have a Michigan State team that hasn't been consistent, and then we have an Ohio State team that hasn't been consistent. So this going can go either way. Yeah, Ohio State has not uh, performed up to expectations uh, the past few weeks. They they struggling a little bit. See if Ohio State can right the ship. Yeah, Haskins has had a lot more pe- pressure in the passing game, and he hasn't been delivering to his receivers. They can't keep running those screens anymore. I think people are starting to catch on to their screen game. Yeah. <laughs> Final game we got for the Big Ten is uh, Penn State versus Wisconsin. Do you think it's going to be a good game? Oh, man. I'm I'm rooting for Wisconsin. I like Wisconsin a lot. Jonathan Taylor, I want you to show up and show out. Trace, I'm sorry. I, I like your game, but I like Wisconsin a little little more. Yeah, Wisconsin, they got a pretty good defense. And if they copy uh, Michigan's game plan and put Trace McSorley on lock, Wisconsin has a potential to win this game. And if Jonathan Taylor could hold on to the damn ball and <laughs> <laughs> rush for more than 100 yards, I definitely could see Wisconsin coming out with a win versus Penn State, who's looked a little deflated lately. I'm really, I'm really hoping Wisconsin can put it on them. Yeah, what we got in the ACC? ACC, we're going to Clemson and Boston College. This should be hopefully a good one. Maybe A.J. will show up, A.J. Dillon. Dirty Dillon. Let's let's hope so. Let's hope this run game for Boston College can keep the Clemson offense off the field. If Clemson's offense is on the field, they're going to score. Clemson went off this past weekend and scored 77, just to put it into perspective. Just incredible. Uh, Clemson knows how to play offense. They know how to play defense as well. they got a great defensive unit. Uh, Clemson's probably going to win this game. But I'm hoping Boston College can make it a game. Yeah, it'd be nice to have a competitive game for, for Clemson. And then I, I marked a Florida State versus Notre Dame. I don't think this will be much of a game, but I still want Florida State to get one like major upset this year in Willie Taggart's first 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 year. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Willie Taggart fan. He definitely came into a new squad. A lot of the guys he didn't know anything about, but... They, they seem to change the, the team around because when we first saw their first few games, the team didn't look like they were behind him at all. No. no. So, yeah, it, it should be an interesting game moving forward. And what type of Notre Dame team are we going to see? Brian Kelly, he, he needs to get this team in lock and make sure Ian Book and company does well versus a, a good up-and-coming team in Florida State. So in the SEC, we got Ole Miss versus Texas A&M. Uh, you know, I don't have a whole lot of faith. In my Ole Miss Rebels. Come on, I, man. I mean, I'll be watching and rooting, but my defense is in need of some help. But I, then you guys, your offense is looking good. I Your offense yeah, is looking a lot better. But we need my defense needs to play a little <laughs> bit as well. So then we got two really good games. One in Mississippi State and Alabama. Mississippi State has won two in a row now. And they're looking really good, really strong. Nick, Nick Fitzgerald's coming out to play, but now they got a tough test in Alabama. Mississippi State played Alabama very well last year, so maybe maybe Miss, Mississippi State will show up and try to fight for the win this year. If Fitzgerald plays quarterback, they'll do well. If he goes back to running back and running the ball all the time, I don't see this game even being close. So I think Fitzgerald needs to... Uh, be a dual-threat quarterback and be able to put it together versus a very dominating Bama defense. So we got also got Auburn and Georgia. This one should be a good one. Let's hope. I hope Auburn has a good game and plays like Auburn should because Georgia, they've been playing well, especially with that dual-headed uh, backfield with uh, Swift and Holyfield. So do we have any games in the, the non-Big Five that you're going to pay attention to? 
Yeah, we got one uh, WAC conference game. We got Fresno State versus Boise State. This is always a good game every year. A lot throwing the ball in the air. If you like to see a passing passing game, this is another game to watch. Both quarterbacks are very dominant, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see if Rippin brings his A game and <laughs> run, runs the show. My boy Rippin. My boy Rippin. <laughs> I know Fresno State always does produce a lot of points as well so this that should be a good one to watch yeah so moving forward just the last thing i want to ask again uh keep bringing it up these uh the heisman candidacy do you think two is still the leader i think two is still the leader with but he his, threw an interception this with weekend his one interception I, <laughs> kyler murray he's still he's kyler murray always looks and good. kyler murray threw two interceptions i but i will say your boy is trying to make a fight for it He's he's working his tail off, man. And you know, and honestly, I don't I don't think you should count out Will Will Greer just yet. Um, he probably will fight for it and have some more big games as well, and put his team in winning positions to where Will Greer should be be in the running for it. Yeah, but if you know, this is this has been the worst game for Minshew, and he threw for three hundred fifty five yards. So. That's that's not a bad bad game. No, it's not. <laughs> and I will say, it looks like it's going to be a uh, quarterback award. Oh yeah, yeah, again, yeah. I I think that's it. Yeah, I think well, that's it. Thank you guys for listening, and remember to email us at collegefootballpodtalk at gmail for questions, comments, and concerns. Thank you for listening and continuing support. We're out. Peace.